Hi, everyone. I'm Andrew. And I'm Michael. And this is the Endurance Innovation Podcast. Hey everyone, joining us today is Tristan Lahari, founder and CEO of Tritonware, an innovative swim metrics company uh, originally founded in Waterloo, Ontario, and now operating out of Toronto. Uh, Tristan and Tritonware have a unique product on their hands, and we're re- really keen to learn more about it. And today's show is split up roughly into two parts. Um, the first part's all about the founding of Tritonware and their um, their journey from startup to where they are today. And the second part will focus more a little bit on what Tritonware is, how it works, and uh, how it is relevant to everyone from national swim federations, uh, obviously operating at a very high level, down to uh, our you know folks more like uh, more like myself or adult onset swimmers. Um, participating in triathlons and uh, master swims. Yeah, I guess for those people who aren't familiar, what's the 30-second elevator pitch for Tritonware? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, at Tritonware, we're a sports technology uh, and sports analytics company uh, that really tries to take the guesswork out of getting faster for swimmers and triathletes around the world. So the uh, the big problem I have with swimming, aside from not really being able to do it, um, <laughs> but uh, for the improvement and for the coaching, like timing is really the only metric that I have to use. So it's it's difficult to get anything more than that course, like a hundred meters takes X amount of time, and then you know I try to keep an idea of intervals and splits, but um, it's it's a real challenge to dissect a performance after the fact. So um, so I'd imagine like this is probably a lot of where the, the ideas came from, right? Yeah, for sure. I would say, I guess the, the earliest ideas came from the fact that there's a ton of data that can be captured when you're training, but it's really hard to do so. Uh, especially if you're an athlete by yourself, it, it takes a lot of effort if you're trying to track, you know, obviously stroke rates or distance per stroke or, or things like that, uh, you know, that are a little bit more challenging. Uh, it's next to impossible to track that as an athlete. Uh, and if you're you know, working with a team, you know, it's a coach worrying about that times 20 or 30 with 30 kids in the water. Uh, so it just ends up, you know, escalating that problem to be much, much bigger, especially at the team scenario, uh, as well as the individual scenario. So I guess looking at it from the, the innovation standpoint, um, at some point you had to have realized that there was a problem here and you, you came up with a creative solution. So can you walk us through that whole process and how you decided, okay, I want to take this idea that seems like a good idea and turn it into an actual business and figure out how to make money off this. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I saw this problem, you know, myself as a, as a competitive swimmer, uh, you know, growing up and then as a competitive swimmer at the University of Waterloo. Um, so, you know, when I was looking at it at first, I was really just looking at it from the athlete's perspective. You know, there's so many different things that, you know, a coach would be yelling at, at us, you know, in the pool, whether it's, again, you know, splits, stroke counts, stroke rates, uh, you know, time underwater, whatever that is, uh, you know, it, it was great information, but I found it was a huge shame that that data was just being lost because there's no way to record that amount of information. Uh, you know, while you're training, you know, let alone with an entire team in the pool. Uh, so, you know, I saw from the athlete's perspective, and then, you know, once I realized that the coach had a much bigger problem, that's when we started to look at it from the coach's angle where they had 30 kids in the pool. And on some of our bigger teams, you know, they could have thousands of kids on the team, uh, you know, that all this data is just being lost today. 
uh, and that's all critical information that could be used to help make athletes improve faster uh, and ultimately get better uh, to, to get more results for the entire team overall. Uh, so that's kind of where we started to see it from. Uh, so it started out, um, you know, I guess looking at the real-time data element, that was kind of where we first started. Uh, and then we realized that beyond just the data itself, we found that it wasn't so much just that people needed more data, it was that people needed guidance on how to act on that information. Uh, because, you know, data for the sake of data is really valuable and doesn't really provide a really good solution. So that's where we started to look at it from the angle of, uh, you know, how do we provide actionable guidance on the information that we provide? Um, so, yeah, then I would say that the, the development process that we ended up going through, uh, you know, luckily we were based out of Waterloo in our early days. Uh, you know, we were very close with, you know, my former coach, uh, you know, Jess later at the University of Waterloo, uh, who has since moved on from the university. Uh, but we were able to be on pool deck testing out with uh, you know, our sensors and, uh, you know, a whole bunch of uh, whole bunch of boards crammed into the back of a GoPro case and thrown on a bunch of athletes. Luckily, not electrocuting anybody, uh, and uh, <laughs> some uh, early information to to you know build an MVP for for some of our earliest clients. That's uh, a great little bit of history, Tristan. Now I'm gonna I'm glad that you you started talking about you know data for the sake of data not being super useful, and that you your your platform um, is is offering actionable advice. But before we get too too far into that, uh, if can you give us and our listeners uh, an overview of what all the the bits are, so that the hardware and the software in the system as it is today, and uh, um, maybe then we can start talking about specific use cases for you know such and such a person has this is what their swim looks like, and here's what our you know our analytics or our, our algorithms would tell them to work on. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, our, our technology is all foundationally based around the Triton unit. So that's a small device that goes under the athlete's swim cap at the back of their head uh, and basically captures all of their data based on motion. Uh, so we're basically turning their kind of raw motion data into uh, highly accurate performance metrics. Uh, so that's where we're capturing split time, stroke count, stroke rate, distance per stroke, uh, push off force, stroke index, uh, over a dozen different metrics, uh, and doing so at four times the accuracy of Garmin and other players out on the market. Um, that data is then streamed. Cool. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask you about that because you know some of these metrics you you, you mentioned obviously the the, the Garmin units yep. and their competitors are, do, are 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 measuring as well. So that's you know what's the you know one of my follow up questions was going to be what's the value of yours yeah. versus theirs? Yeah, yeah. So step one, uh, you know, for us obviously we, we produce a whole bunch more metrics that that uh, Garmin and these other guys don't produce. Um, but you know, above and beyond the the I think we produce probably seven or eight additional metrics that Garmin doesn't produce. Um, but the really big benefit um, and the reason. Why why you know, we're used by competitive swimmers and, and Garmin really isn't uh, is because we're more than four times more accurate. Uh, and that's likely just because we have to be. I mean, the first thing that happens to us if we show a coach on deck, you know, the split times that we're getting for his athlete or stroke counts or whatever, first thing they're going to do is take up their stopwatch and compare us and make sure that we're you know, dead on to what he's getting or she's getting. Uh, sure. So, you know, if, you're, if your stopwatch or, you know, is ultimately if our time is not within a few tenths of a second, you know, they're going to say that's not good enough. Right. Whereas with Garmin, you know, if you're within a few seconds, you know, people aren't going to complain too much because I don't have anything to benchmark it against when I'm swimming by myself. Um, but so that was a critical part for us. Um, it also takes a, a plays a really big role in the actionable guidance component to what we do and the modeling that we do on our massive database. Yeah, so the basically the devices again they're on the back of the athlete's head, uh, automating that data collection process. Uh, we then stream all that data in real time to a coach on deck, uh, so they can have it on their mobile device or their tablet, uh, and we can be streaming an entire team's data in real time 
uh, throughout the entire practice. Uh, so that's where you know, some of our larger clients will have 60 athletes in the water streaming real-time data every single lap from every single athlete, uh, completely automating that data collection process so they can just spend all their time focusing on stroke mechanics and not having to worry about their stopwatch. So really just making practice more efficient. Uh, and then ultimately we then have our coaches stream, uh, stream uh, that data or screencast onto a TV uh, to keep the athletes engaged in their improvement and, and put basically the, the focal areas that they have up on the board, whether it's their stroke rate or their distance for stroke or uh, stroke index or what have you. So on the surface, um, there's a lot of other technologies that do streaming. Like uh, a great example right now is like the Chromecast, where you've got something going from your phone or you're you're transmitting very high bandwidth data to another device. So on the surface, it seems very simple, but uh, obviously there's some pretty big technical challenges with swimming that you have to overcome. Um, so I know talking to a mutual friend of ours, uh, Art Hare, who I believe you swam with in university. Yeah. Um, he, he had mentioned that you had to do a ton of work on custom hardware and developing uh, basically the, the transfer protocols so that it was fast enough. Um, so I guess, what, why don't you take us through a little bit of that development process? Because you had initially an idea, but obviously came under, or you found some challenges with implementing it. Um, so if you can walk us through that whole process, that'd be really interesting for, for a lot of people, I think. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, by choosing swimming, we're just gluttons for punishment because there's so many technical challenges with being in the, <laughs> in the water and with a team environment and, and all this. So <laughs> there are definitely a lot of challenges that we had to overcome uh, to make it a really responsive and reactive system uh, to actually work for our customers. Uh, so with uh, with that in the water, um, you, know, you can't stream uh, underwater uh, unless you're you know, using sonar or lower frequencies. Uh, so, you know, what we had to do was uh, ultimately create our own uh, RF protocol on top of a sub one gigahertz band to, to communicate uh, in real time uh, to all of our athletes simultaneously because we needed to be able to communicate to 50 plus athletes at the same time in the water. So it's just not something that you can achieve uh, with Bluetooth and it wasn't something you could achieve with Wi-Fi either because the connection time, it just takes too long. Uh, so if you think of, you know, breaststroke or butterfly, for example, your head goes underwater every second. So you lose connection every single second hmm. uh, while they're swimming. Uh, so we had to have a protocol that could uh, connect almost instantly to the device communicate and acknowledge, uh, you know, in a fraction of a second and be able to do that for 50 athletes at the same time. So that's really why we had to go that custom route. Uh, and with our first generation system, we, we had to uh, actually have a hub device uh, that we used uh, effectively as a local network to communicate all of the devices uh, through that and then via Bluetooth to the tablet. Um, more recently, we've actually created a new protocol uh, for our, our new Triton 2 devices where we've actually been able to get rid of the hub in between, uh, and we've, we've built a, a unique way to do this on top of Bluetooth 5. Uh, so it's uh, yeah, definitely a unique challenge being in the, in the water uh, with uh, a lot of athletes at the same time. So how would you go through the prototyping of something like this? If you're creating completely new protocols, um, that's going to be very hard to develop and test. So what, how would you approach that? Sure. So, I mean, I think when we're, you know, when we're testing at, at, at smaller scales, you know, we would do relatively small, you know, PCB runs and we'd, we'd get the, the protocol running uh, on test boards as best we can. And we'd try our best to fit it into some form of a waterproof case <laughs> before we really have to go the full custom hardware route. Uh, because especially in our early days, that was, you know, very, very cost prohibitive. Um, and uh, you don't want to make a whole lot of mistakes and a lot of iteration cycles there. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think, 
you know, getting it as, as, as best you can on test boards, getting to some, some low volume custom hardware that you can test at, you know, some volume at least, um, in as similar of an application as you can, um, is, is important. I mean, you can fake it as well to a degree, you know, you can dunk the device up and up and down the water, see how quickly you can reconnect and, and do a whole bunch of testing. Um, and, and also a whole bunch of different range things because we have to deal with range issues as well with relatively large facilities that we operate in. Um, but yeah, basically going through that process of, uh, test boards, uh, building out our, our own kind of custom proto boards, and then eventually taking it to kind of a final PCB that you're, uh, you know, really trying to take and, and test at scale, uh, that you're be utilizing in your actual environment that your customers will be training in. This whole process sounds quite expensive. So um, did you have any help early on? Did you have investors? Did you have mentors? Um, I assume being through the Waterloo startup community, there was a little bit to help you there. Um, yeah. what, uh, how did you make that first step and how did you get to where you are? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think, I mean, in our earliest days, you know, we survived on, you know, OCE grants and, and little things that we could get here and there and, and scrap together as, as much as we could from the uh, kind of the local funding environments. Uh, we also were part of the Velocity program in, in Kitchener, uh, which was a huge help to us just having an office space and be able to work with other, you know, other founders at the same stage as us at that time. Uh, so that was very valuable in the early days. Uh, and then eventually, you know, ultimately to get a hardware product to market takes quite a bit of capital. Uh, so we did end up raising some uh, some venture funding uh, through uh, Real Ventures, through Mars IAF, and through uh, several other um, different investor groups uh, for our, our first round of financing. Uh, that really helped us take the product to market. Uh, and then we've had uh, you know several different other rounds since then just to help us continue scaling and, and keep on pushing deeper and deeper into the markets that we operate in. So Tristan, uh, the the startup community that you came out of, you mentioned Velocity. Um, so they provided you with some office space and some mentorship. Um, unfortunately, we didn't uh, we didn't make the cut for Velocity. We applied and were rejected. Um, so I guess it's not the end of the world, but uh, it certainly would have helped us out a little bit, I think. Um, but getting the, that initial mentorship, uh, when you're going for a funding round, uh, to us, that was a complete black box. We had no idea how to approach this. So how did you start to put, say, business plan together and other things that you would go to investors uh, and, and how did you present that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think being part of the Velocity community definitely helps with that. Uh, you know, you just have other founders at different stages going through the same process. You know, when we first, you know, got into Velocity, it was just me. Uh, and then we, you know, we brought on my co-founder Darius. And then we had, you know, other people that came on board, uh, you know, later on that year. Um, but it was just a great way when you're, you know, a very, very small company with only a few people. It's a, it's a great way to interact with other founders going through the same pains and, and going through the same challenges. And especially if you're, you know, a relatively first time founder, it's a great way to, uh, you know, learn from people that maybe have been through it before. Uh, and when you first join that ecosystem, you know, you find that maybe you're at the bottom rung because you're just starting out and there's other companies that are, you know, you know, well beyond, well beyond their first round of financing and, and are scaling and launching product and, and uh, you know, really worrying about how do they scale to that next revenue level uh, you know so you basically go from that starting from scratch point basically all the way you know through that point where you're self-sustaining and getting your own office and so on uh, so it, it was just uh, you know great for us in the early days to you know, learn from people that have been going through that and, and you know understanding what a term sheet was what a pre-money valuation was what a price round versus a, versus a convertible note versus safe whatever all the stuff that you just wouldn't know anything about if you weren't involved in it uh, it was great to get that kind of experience uh, from from the people in the environment as well as obviously the support team that Velocity and Community Tech provide uh, for companies uh, in, in the Kitchener Waterloo and, and obviously around Canada nowadays um, so that was definitely helpful and then I think as you go through and you become maybe more, the more senior companies in, in Velocity 
it's it's nice to also be able to become that mentor and give back a bit uh, and give that feedback because I find you also just learn a lot from you know helping explain it to other founders that are maybe going through similar but still different problems. Uh, so yeah, definitely overall it was a, a great support for us in the early days. I have no idea what you just said, Tristan, but uh, I, I, I certainly uh, I certainly agree that the the mentorship piece is uh, is super important, and I'm yeah. sure that there's some folks listening who are maybe going through some of your some of those uh, uh, startup pains. So that that's really great advice. And and I found from a personal standpoint when we went through those same phases, um, the advice like I, I enjoyed helping out others when I could, but the the biggest advice I could give was not necessarily what we did right, but the mistakes we made, um, and there were certainly plenty of them. But uh, it's it's easy to look back and think, oh, I could have done this differently. But um, if you were to distill your entire startup experience down to, I guess, one takeaway, would you be able to to do that, or even a couple points? What would what would you say? Hmm. I think one takeaway is definitely tough. I think, you know, one of the things that we've learned even continuously while we're releasing new features is spend a lot of time up front, really nailing that product market fit element for any feature that you're releasing, like really make sure it's, it's hitting the nail on the head to make it a really, uh, you know, addictive feature or a really sticky feature. Um, you know, whether it's your full product or just a component of your technology, uh, you know, we find that doing that legwork, having those conversations, how somebody would use it, you know, what they're going to get out of it, uh, just makes it a lot easier down the road uh, because those, you know, maybe at multiple, multiples of additional amount of time that you need to spend in the, the initial legs, uh, you know, pays off in orders of magnitude down the line once you've done development and have to then reiterate on a, a you know, on a feature or solution or what have you. Uh, so I think definitely spend as much time as you can in that initial validation stage as you can, just because that will you know, really decrease pain points later on and also make sure that you don't waste any cycles uh, down the line or as few as possible. That's excellent advice. So another question I have is um, you've chosen, I guess, a more modern revenue model than a lot of companies where you're doing more of the uh, um, a subscription-based, almost a business-to-business where you're dealing with the coaches who then apply the technology to the athletes. So what, what made you choose that model as opposed to just charging a fixed price for each unit and then just leaving it at that? For sure. So, you know, I think at, at Triton, where we genuinely believe it's in the best interest of both the team, the coach, and ourselves uh, to have a subscription-based model. Uh, so we've actually gone to the point where we don't even have a hardware component to our, uh, you know, our, our sales process, any, process anymore. It's strictly subscription per athlete. Uh, and what we find is, you know, first of all, for our customers, it helps because it's less capital-intensive up front, so it's less expensive for the customer and the team up front. Um, you know, having this annual fee is actually quite a bit easier for a lot of our teams who actually charge their members on an annual basis already. So it's easier for them to, you know, add this cost onto an existing, uh, you know, subscription that they might be charging their athletes. Uh, and then for us, what we find is it just incentivizes us to make a really sticky product and make a really good quality product that our customers love and keep on developing new things. So it's it's aligning us with the interests of the consumer as opposed to building a hardware product that we might just you know say, okay, now you bought it, now goodbye. Uh, so we find it aligns us really nicely. Um, it makes sure that we have really good customer support uh, and it makes sure that our customers keep on coming back to us uh, for more business and also to give us more advice on, on how we can make the experience even better. Uh, so, you know, I think it's in the long term, uh, better for everybody. Obviously, the revenue model grows nicely if it works, uh, but it's also great for uh, for our customers who get a constantly evolving product with new releases you know, every single month or so, as opposed to waiting for a new product every three years. Excellent. I, I really like that answer. And I think it's, again, a more modern interpretation where you're dealing with maybe the software and the analytics side of things and, and improving the feature set, as opposed to the hardware, which is 
generally hardware is overspec for its purpose. So there's a lot of growth potential in there. But uh, yeah, seeing the software develop as part of the subscription, I think that's a fantastic model. Yeah, I mean, and we're fundamentally mainly a software company that happens to need to have hardware. So we, you know, we're we're a, a hardware-enabled software company at the end of the day, and we wouldn't be a hardware company if we didn't have to be. We just need to because you know nobody's hardware really would work for what we need right now. Um, so it's uh, you know the vast majority of our team is is software development. So it's it is just a big piece of the company, and our software platform is really what drives the true value. The hardware is just an enabler to to our software. Um, so Tristan, you talked, uh, you gave us a, a nice use case for, uh, teams, specifically swim teams using your, um, using the product and the, um, the, the power that the coaches get from being able to collect and analyze a whole heap of data all at once and display it for their, for their athletes. Um, and that makes perfect sense to me. Um, but I'm a triathlon coach and the folks I work with are triathletes and the, uh, probably most of the listeners to the show are, are runners, cyclists, triathletes, although hopefully maybe now we'll get some swimmers on after we post this up. Uh, so I think, you know, where I'm going with this, uh, you know, if I am, uh, if I'm a triathlete who swims, uh, maybe twice or three times a week and uh, is trying to find time in a local pool and uh, swimming by myself. And I don't have, I may have a, uh, you know, a remote coach, but certainly not somebody who's, who's watching me in the water all the time. Yeah. Um, and I want to make a better, you know, I want, I want a, be- a better ROI for my time in the water. What can uh, Triton wear do for me? For sure. Yeah. So, I mean, that's uh, good timing with our actual, our, actually our new product coming up, uh, the Triton 2, which is launching this fall. Uh, so the, the new product that we have is actually more designed for the consumer as well as the team. So we're basically enabling both of those use cases now as opposed to being very team focused. Uh, so okay. the, the new device doesn't require that communications hub anymore. So you just actually, as a, as a solo swimmer, master swimmer, triathlete, et cetera, you can just uh, you know, throw your unit on, uh, you know, start your workout on your phone and jump in the pool and go. So what we can do is then track your entire workout for you, you know, with industry, industry leading accuracy, uh, and then send back all the M- analysis that we do uh, to an online coach for you. Uh, so actually, on our platform, you'll have your own login and all your own you know stats pages for yourself. Um, but your coach will actually be able to also log in to, to view all of your data and maybe help give you feedback, training plans, etc., uh, based on how you're performing. So you don't actually need to see your coach on a regular basis anymore. Uh, or if you already don't see your coach on a regular basis, you now have a way to get that information back to them to see exactly how you're performing. Uh, and then now we have a suite of tools that help with that analysis process as well. Uh, so launching uh, beside the new hardware device, we have a series of new tools, uh, one of which is called Diagnostic, where we actually will analyze an athlete against another cohort of athletes. So maybe other athletes or other athletes, your speed. Uh, and uh, what we'll do is we'll actually tell you exactly how your performance metrics compare to those athletes. So it'll basically tell you how your stroke rate compares to those athletes, your speed, or how your distance per stroke compares, how your stroke efficiency you know, ranks up, and so on, to help you understand where your weaknesses and where your strengths lie. Uh, and then following that, we have an automated progress tracking tool that will actually track the performance metrics over time and tell you exactly how they're performing and if you're getting better or worse, uh, incorporates goal setting and so on, all built into that to really help you quantify weaknesses first and then quantify that path to improvement, uh, you know, without having to do the complex analysis yourself. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's what I'm trying to drive at is, uh, uh, you know, what, what is it that 
that this device can do for me that, you know, that I wouldn't see from, you know, just from, from splits, like, okay, you know, someone's swimming or if I do, let's say, you know, uh, the classic CSS 400, 200 meter test and saying like, okay, well, you're improving, you're, you're getting, you're getting faster. And I think Andrew, this is what Andrew was talking about earlier when he was saying that, you know, this is kind of the only tool that we have. Um, what I'm asking you here, I suppose, is let's uh, let's get into some specifics, you know, like uh, give me uh, give me a case study or two um, about what you can, uh, you know, and thinking more on the amateur side of the sport, especially considering the fact that a lot of triathletes are, uh, what, you know, we jokingly call adult onset swimmers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> these are, the, you know, not not swimming since they were seven years old, um, you know, with the classic perhaps, you know, uh, maybe not the best shoulder mobility. So not, you know, the high elbow catch, maybe not being the optimal way for them to be swimming freestyle. Um, what, uh, what kind of case can you make for somebody like that? Sure. So, I mean, I think there's, uh, there's obviously just the case uh, to be had where you should just try to swim as much as you can if you're an early onset or late start starter uh, swimmer. For sure. Um, and, that will definitely improve you probably more than anything else ultimately. But when you're looking at the technology itself, uh, you know, the, the, our technology, what we really do is we break it down into kind of three core pillars. Uh, you know, the first core pillar is what we've been mainly talking about, which is called performance tracking. Uh, so this is where we're trying to track, you know, not just split times because, you know, you'll, you'll get better, you'll get faster. But the really important thing is, are you actually getting more efficient, especially as a triathlete? Are you expending less energy, uh, you know, to get better output? Uh, so that's when we're starting to look at, okay, your stroke length, so your distance per stroke, you know, what are we measuring there? And are you actually getting better at your distance per stroke over time uh, are you, you know are you able to maintain a similar stroke rate as you get faster um, you know in other elements of it you know we'll be looking at their stroke index where that's an element of their distance for stroke and their speed merged together to help us understand how efficient the athlete is being uh, so these are kind of those higher level performance metrics that help us uh, you know first of all see where the issues might lie so if i have a you know, a really high stroke rate, but I'm not going that fast. It's probably because I'm slipping through the water, and that's an indicator of an issue with my actual stroke. Um, so then, from there, uh, you know, we've got the diagnostic tool that will tell you, you know, if that's the case. Is that are you performing poorly in your stroke rate? For example, uh, it'll let you set goals to improve that stroke rate to maybe something that's more uh, on par with other people. Your speed. So if you're a minute thirty for a hundred meter freestyle, yep. uh, on average, it'll basically tell you what other people at a minute thirty are holding uh, for their stroke rate. And if you're maybe thirty percent below that, you probably want to focus on that metric to get more bang for buck out of the energy that you're putting into your stroke. Uh, so it'll basically help you track that and put a goal towards that and see exactly if you're improving that over time. So that's the performance tracking side of the table. Um, with that, if you want to dive in even deeper, we have a more advanced motion analysis tool where you can actually have somebody record you, uh, record video on your mobile device. And what we'll do is we'll overlay linear acceleration profiling on top of that video. So it'll actually show you hmm. frame by frame where you're gaining and losing speed within your stroke cycle or oh, within cool. your other skill. So okay. it'll actually tell you, you know, if you know, you're having a deceleration at your catch because you're starting to slip through the water or if on your follow through, you're just having a dead spot and so on. Uh, so it'll really help you, uh, you know, hone in onto those really, really fine details uh, at much, much higher resolution as to uh, you know, where those skills might be causing issues and, and where you may be losing efficiency. And then I would say that our last or our third core pillar uh, is really around uh, load monitoring for injury prevention. So that's where we're tracking athlete training load over the course of the season. Um, and we do that with swimming, uh, but you can also add in your multi-sport activities to that load tracking. Uh, and what we can actually do is then just flag if you're at risk of overtraining or undertraining um, to the athlete or to their remote coach as well to make sure that they stay healthy throughout the season. 
Sure. No, that's uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, as far as you know, comparing your stroke mechanics to other folks, um, and you're you know certainly more of an expert than I am in this field. But do you worry about uh, um, you know falling into the trap that is that in thinking that everyone should be swimming the same way when you're when you're trying to compare you know a, a very specific swimmer with specific say injury history or specific other training loads to you know some 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 median swimmer that uh, that's in your database no for sure so it's uh the nice thing is that we've built these overall models um based on the most comprehensive swimming training database out there um, in terms of the the accuracy of the data that we have um i know and the, the hundreds of millions of meters of data that we have at our fingertips um, and so we basically have all levels and all ages of athletes in our database that we've been able to build models on and they're kind of continuous models so yeah they're going to give you average markers as to where you sit relative to a specific demographic but obviously you know you're going to take it with a grain of salt if i'm uh, you know for you know what we always say if you're a really young athlete um, and i'm trying to compare myself versus you know other kids my age obviously my physiology will play a role in that so if i'm a four foot mm-hmm. you know four foot you know 12 year old guy uh, versus a six foot you know 12 year old guy for whatever reason um, obviously my stroke rate my distance for stroke metrics are going to be quite a bit different depending on my physiology so you just need to take that in mind keep that in mind as you're setting goals for yourself you know you don't want to set unrealistic targets um, but uh, you know i think that the nice thing is it just helps you understand where do you sit and you know ultimately what can you do to help improve that baseline uh, as you progress and ultimately as you get better as an athlete no fair point okay thank you in my in my research of of swimming, I you just you know I see I see so many different ways to get uh, to get the job done. You know, and there's such a such a breadth of successful swimmers. And running is the same way. You know, you kind of you look at runners, and there are some runners that run horribly, but they run fast. You know, and and uh, and as a coach, kind of my my general uh, line of thinking on that uh, is I'm not going to f- try and fix it unless. You know, either we think that some there's some piece of performance that's being left on the table, or the person's being injured, and that's specific specific to running, perhaps. But uh, I wonder if it's um, if it's analogous to swimming as well. Yeah, I mean, with with swimming, I think you know what you're trying to do, especially if you're talking to triathletes. I presume you're you're trying to just minimize how much energy they're expending on that first phase of the triathlon, right? So we're just for long course, make, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're yeah, obviously up at sprint. Maybe you're you're trying to go as fast as you can, but yeah, if you're trying to do you know longer formats, uh, you want to try to expend as little energy while still getting as much output as you can. So there's this fine balance of energy output and speed. Um, so you know that's what where we try to focus on. You know what metrics are going to help you get there uh, to be as efficient as possible while still getting that speed output that you need um, and you know obviously as you get better you're going to figure out what are those target uh, you know target times that you need to hit um, and, and then we'll help you get there from a performance metrics perspective to minimize that energy required to do so um, and the, the nice thing with some of our tools like motion analysis is it just allows you to focus on you know where am i losing speed you know where am i losing efficiency in my stroke uh, and this is you know irrelevant of other athletes as well this is just me personally it's going to show me where i'm slowing down sure sure it just be a tool to really quickly do some trial and error and practice and say okay if i you know change my hand entry if i try to lengthen my stroke and roll a bit further on my side will i get a little bit more out of my out of my stroke with uh, you know less energy input really or the same amount of energy input uh, so yeah again it's just all about uh, figuring out what works best for each athlete uh, and, and data obviously a great way to do that for sure and you talk about efficiency and that's that's lovely i mean that's i think that's the the uh, that's a really big deal for especially for long course when you're going to be out there for a really long time and when we're talking about you know cycling and when we're talking about running there are uh you know 
proven ways of measuring it, right? So you can, you know, sometimes you have to go to a lab to do that, but you can you can you can measure running economy in a lab if you're measuring, you know, uh, oxygen oxygen versus CO two uh, through a through a mask. Um, and say so you can do similar things on the bike. So you can figure out, actually cycling is even easier. You can do critical power testing for it. It sounds to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds to me like you almost have a swimming power meter uh, strapped to the, the, the heads of these folks. Um, is in a, so the question one is, you know, is that an accurate interpretation? And question two is, if it is, then what are you measuring to, to get that to get that power calculation. Because in order to understand efficiency, you need to kind of understand, you know, power input, power output kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I guess, you know, it's not, I guess, a true power meter in that respect, but you are able to see kind of those peak accelerations that you're gaining through the motion analysis tool. So if you're going into the actual acceleration profiling itself, you know, obviously you can get those, you know, peak acceleration elements. Um, and then you can hook that into to understand, you know, what is that actually getting you in terms of the timing that you're getting on your performance metrics? Um, so, ah, okay. Yeah. So yes and no, uh, you, you can get that kind of information. Uh, I wouldn't say it's, you know, fundamentally a, a power meter by by design but it does have some some components to it that would give you similar information i like that i like that explanation yeah because if i guess if you're looking at you know uh, your peak accelerations we can we can make some conclusions that saying that you know acceleration is costly obviously right because you need to in order to have a higher acceleration you need to put in more power yeah. and if you're you know let's say if you're having higher accelerations but low overall speed, which is ultimately what you're chasing, then, then there's where your inefficiencies might lie. Is, does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. To a degree for sure. I mean, and, and the way that we usually try to phrase it is it's not necessarily even looking at the, the peak accelerations that you're gaining, you know, for, for, you know, athletes in the water, you know, you're fastest as soon as you meet the wall. So as soon as you jump in the water, you're basically at your fastest point. Uh, from then on, you're actually slowing down and you're just trying to slow down less than everybody else in the water with. Okay. Uh, so what we're trying to do is, you know, how do we minimize those deceleration points and, you know, minimize the amount of time you're decelerating. So get rid of those dead points because it's really, as you said, it's very costly. If you start to slow down, then you got to catch back up and you got to waste more energy getting back up to speed. Uh, so we're just trying to minimize that speed loss over time more than anything, uh, because especially in the pool, uh, as soon as you leave the wall uh, you're slowing down right now my understanding gap is shrinking now i'm starting to, like now i'm i'm getting it I, I get what you guys are think are trying to do okay thank you for for taking the time to explain it so there's a for me there's a really interesting implication here with the big data where you can start to distill things down where we've got say a certain swimmer who's got a certain build type and they have stroke rate or certain parameters that come out of it have you started to dig into like the deeper uh the deeper meaning of this data and try to figure out some trends that maybe weren't obvious before yeah for sure yeah so you know First of all, I guess you know one of the things we were discussing briefly were some of the new tools that we're releasing with our new Triton Two device. Uh, you know, because what we found was, and what our kind of hypothesis was all along, was that we we'd like to provide more and more actionable guidance to the data that we give. So not just a bunch of numbers, even if they're really accurate, you know, but we need to provide information on what do I do with that information. Uh, so now we built models around basically every single stroke type, every single event distance type, uh, you know, and then all of our different performance parameters for all different demographics. Uh, based on our, our mass database, and now we're able to actually give context to that information. So tell you exactly how you rank up compared to other athletes your age or other athletes your speed, uh, or even just compared to the entire world. So it'll tell me if I'm a 100-meter freestyle male, uh, you know, at uh, you know 30 years old or whatever, it'll tell me, you know, how I compare to other people my age or that are swimming at my speed, and then tell me maybe where my weaknesses lie, whether it's my stroke rate, my distance for stroke, my turn time, push-off force, whatever it is, uh, and help me figure out what I should focus on. 
because there's so many different things that I can focus on every single day in training. But help me find the hanging fruit, pick it, and then uh, ultimately focus on that weakness and track that performance over time. So would some of these tools then be applicable to outdoor, like open water swimming, or is it primarily focused indoors now? Yes. Yeah, so, so our initial device uh, that's been on the market for the last few years has been solely focused on pool swimming. Uh, the Triton 2 device, uh, right when it launches this fall, will be still focused primarily on pool water, pool swimming. Uh, however, the hardware is enabled uh, with GPS, so it will be available for open water uh, in the future. Um, that will be coming out via software updates. So yeah, keep that, uh, keep an eye out for that because that will be coming down the pipeline. Very cool. Yeah, that's, um, well, with your explanation before about constantly fighting how much you're slowing down over the length of the pool. I'd be very curious to know how the swimming styles differ uh, with someone who specializes in open water swimming, like a triathlete or there, I know there are dedicated open water swimmers, but uh, there's probably a lot more pool swimmers out there. So I'd imagine there's probably some pretty significant differences in, in technique and style. For sure. Yeah, no, for sure. And we'll definitely be focusing on how do we give you know more specific feedback for obviously open water based uh, swimming as opposed to, uh, you know, in pool swimming, because there's even we have model differences between long course versus short course versus yards and so on, uh, because they're just they're ultimately different sports uh, when you're looking at short course versus long course. Uh, so, yeah, it's there's definitely going to be differences uh, and we'll make sure that we can provide quality feedback for open water athletes as well. Well, there's a lot more here than, well, (laughs) I should have expected it maybe, but as a triathlete, um, I would say I'm guilty of kind of glossing over some of the technical details of swimming. And I'm sure (laughs) most triathletes are uh, quite guilty of that, but it's, it's very interesting to hear what goes into it and how technical it can be for something that's done 25 meters or 25 yards at a time for the most part. Yeah. 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 I think the, the interesting thing with the, the sport is there's, there's so much information out there. There's so much data. There's so many things you can optimize. The biggest problem today is just, you know, information overflow. You know, what can I actually do in a, the short period of time that I might be having the pool or as a coach, how much time they have on deck uh, with all their athletes on the team. So, you know, we're just trying to find a way to automate that as much as we can. And, and then, you know, beyond that, you know, because we've got this really comprehensive database, we've been able to actually do some pretty you know, powerful uh, research on top of that data. Um, and, and, you know, one of the benefits with us, because we do work with so many high-level athletes, uh, I mean, we work with over 20 national federations around the world, so the Olympic uh, teams of over 20 countries around the world. Uh, we get to work with all the sports scientists at those federations to help understand, you know, what's going into the research at the top level and, you know, how do we take that high-level research that's maybe being applied to the top 0.1% of athletes and, and make it accessible to, to everyone. So how do we actually help improve that, you know, those grassroots programs and the grassroots athletes you know, with the research that's being done at the top level. Um, and that's one of the things that we're trying to do uh, to, to, uh, to bring that you know, into everyone's homes. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, that's, that's excellent. I'm yeah, very impressed by all the technology in there because at first I was thinking this might be just, you know, not that I wanted to think it was a simple device, but it's just, again, my triathlete brain oversimplifying things. Um, but knowing everything that goes into it and even you talking about the difference between short course and long course swims and the, the models that go into it is, uh, quite interesting. And yeah, this whole discussion, um, seeing you kind of go through a parallel track for development where you guys were a little bit of a, ahead of where we were. Um, but knowing some of the challenges as a startup that you face with, uh, getting prototypes out there and, and trying to develop new technologies that aren't necessarily supported. Um, it's very cool hearing 
essentially the same stories and same experiences and knowing that we're not alone in all the struggles and stress that we went through. For sure. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, which was a lot of parallels for most hardware companies. So a lot of, uh, a lot of growing pains and a lot of good lessons learned and, uh, you know, allows us to develop and iterate even faster as we move forward. So speaking of moving forward, you've hinted at that a little bit with uh, the GPS enabled hardware that you've got. What were, what are the next steps for Tritonware and where do you see it going in the next two to three years? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, we've still got a, a ton of space to grow in the competitive swimming space. Uh, so we're continuing to focus on providing the you know, highest quality tools we can for the competitive swimming market and, and making sure that we can help, you know, all levels of athletes, no matter where they are and, and no matter what level they are. Uh, you know, we have athletes you know, all over the world using our technology from you know, eight-year-old beginners up to Olympic gold medalists, but there's a, a lot of athletes out there. So uh, you know, a lot of room to grow there. Um, yeah, definitely the, the open water market and the triathlete market is a big next step for us. Um, you know, again, the, the train two is GPS enabled, so it will allow us to do the same level of analytics um, with much, much more accurate GPS tracking than your Garmin watches because uh, it's on the back of the athlete's head. So we get a much better signal from the head as uh, so that'll be a pretty unique thing for us. Um, and, uh, and and I think we'll see some pretty interesting analytics that we can do on top of that data, uh, as well as providing the comprehensive load monitoring that we can already provide um, and uh, and our motion analysis tools on top of that. So I think that'll be a good next step. Uh, and then from there, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll have to see uh, you know where we're at those are two big places that we want to play in uh, and then there's uh, a lot of other stuff that we have uh, under wraps that we'll be working on moving forward as well all right well i won't probe at the under wrap stuff because i know that's just a dead end anyway um but it sounds very exciting so i'm i'm happy to see you guys are doing so well awesome appreciate it yeah and it's great that you guys are you know are actively pursuing the triathlon market obviously i have a, a vested interest in that one um but i think hopefully i think you'll uh, you'll see a little bit more adoption um, individual adoption. I think, you know, uh, the triathlon community, there's, there, there are certainly teams at higher levels, but at, you know, uh, the age grouper levels where, uh, I don't know, the, the vast majority of the actual athletes are, um, there's a, there's a lot of interest in, uh, in technology and in novel ways of, uh, of looking at data and, uh, you know, again, improving that, that training time ROI. So if that's something that, you know, you guys can deliver on, especially for swimming, which is such a, for, for, for the majority of triathletes is not their first sport. I think, uh, I think you got something there. Yeah, for sure. yeah, and we're excited to to finally have a product that really suits triathletes well. You know, previously we we, we had so many requests for people to, to purchase our initial system, but uh, it was definitely a, a you know a unique setup for an individual compared to a team. So we're excited for the Triton Two that's going to be you know focused on the uh, the individual on the athlete and uh, make sure that we can support triathletes moving forward to make sure we can help uh, help all the triathletes out there get better at swimming and not just the competitive competitive swimmers. Awesome. So uh, the question that Andrew Andrew put on the list is, uh, how can uh, how can people try out the system? Yeah, for sure. So uh, you know, we actually have a pre-sale going on right now of the Triton Two device. Uh, so that's a kind of unique way to get on board with uh, you know pretty low entry pricing. Um, actually, it just starts at one forty nine a year, so that's kind of on on the go right now. Um, in terms of how to try it out, otherwise, uh, we do have demos online, so you can see exactly what the data looks like and, and you know how you might interact with it. Uh, and we'll have continued uh, you know release of that information. Uh, we even do online demos uh, generally for teams, but uh, always happy to answer questions people might have. Um, but uh, but yeah, I would say the uh, the best best way to get your hands on it would be checking out our, our pre sale program um, because you're saving a good amount there, and then we'll. Be launching those devices this fall so that's an exciting time for uh for everybody 
Yeah, and at one forty nine a year, that's 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 a pretty reasonable price point, I think, for for especially considering the uh, the dollars that that a typical triathlete would spend. I think that you could make a very strong case for <laughs> for time saved and uh, you know in a long course swim uh, for the, the yeah, in yeah. the investment there, the financial investment there. Yeah. What cost? Yeah, I think I know. I think I know what's going on my Christmas list here. <laughs> you better get it soon. I think Christmas is far away, Andrew. Yeah, yeah. well, and yeah. if you get uh, you know get enough people on board, we even have volume discounts for for large orders. So uh, see what you can do there as well. <laughs> for sure, and I think too the other. I think the other attractive thing, and I've I've talked about this before, is that you know triathletes like gizmos and uh, and um, if I, I oh, a concern that I or I'm not a concern. Um, a complaint that I hear from triathletes sometimes is that swimming is boring, especially again from those people who are not swimmers. Yeah. They just, you know, you got to go in and bang out your your sets. Uh, so if you have some really cool data to look forward to after your swim set, I think that uh, that may even improve motivation and compliance with swim training. Yeah. So for me as a coach, that's a, that's a thumbs up for sure. Yeah, well, and even if it just gives you that one thing that you should focus on the entire practice, whether it's you know a stroke rate of a certain amount or a distance per stroke that's a little bit longer so that you can help hit those goals that you might have set for yourself on our platform. It just gives you something to keep your mind open and keep your mind engaged during training if you do get bored, uh, you know, following the, the endless black tea while you swim. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, you know, any way that you can help athletes get engaged in their own improvement and keep them, uh, you know, incentivized and motivated while they go through, uh, through the grind uh, is definitely beneficial. I love it. Yeah, and I um I'm gonna be yeah I'm gonna be uh, my own guinea pig I think for this I uh, I'm I'm super keen and swimming is definitely I'm a you know a decent cyclist and a better than average runner but my swim's pretty pretty awful uh, I think <laughs> well, we can, well we can help you there yeah good so I'm gonna be I'm not I'm not waiting in Christmas is uh, is what I'm saying <laughs> awesome good to hear. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. This is a great conversation, and it's it's nice to touch base with someone else who's been through the, I guess the uh, the startup grind the same way that that I have. Yeah. And uh, like I was saying, it's it's awesome to see you guys doing so well. But uh, we really appreciate the time and the discussion. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it as well, guys, and uh, all the best out there. Thank you very much. And one thing we totally missed, which we always do, and we was just, uh, I guess we were kind of rushing through the intro, is we never actually welcomed you to the show, Tristan. So Tristan, welcome to the show. Oh. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming on. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for having me.